Welcome to another edition of The Best Business Mind, hosted by serial entrepreneur and author Mark Kramer. Tune into The Best Business Minds to listen to thought-provoking interviews with best-selling business book authors who are today's leading innovators, entrepreneurs, and industry experts from around the globe. Welcome to another edition of The Best Business Minds, where we interview business leaders and academics that write thought-provoking books. I'm Mark Kramer, a serial entrepreneur who consults with family businesses and entrepreneurs. This is our 106th show. Today's guest is Jennifer Bickle-Cook, author of Pass It On, What I Learned from Mary Kay Ash. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your program. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on today. And Mary Kay Ash is one of the all-time greatest entrepreneurial stories uh, in the history of the world, not just this country and not just this last 50 years. I mean, people don't realize that Mary Kay is a global uh, brand, has over 2.5 million people that work for it around the world. And um, Mary Kay Ash did it all by herself in the beginning, build a mammoth company that is a brand that everybody knows. And certainly when I was a kid, I used to see the pink Cadillacs driving in the Philadelphia area from all the successful companies, uh, all the successful salespeople that have worked for her. So uh, Jennifer, before we get started, what was your professional background and how did you end up working with Mary Kay? Well, I come from a family of educators. Uh, my mother is an educator. Um, my daughter's a principal, my sisters are educators, and uh, some of my nieces are educators. So it was only natural that I would think that I should be an educator too. I went to college and got a degree in English with the uh, intent of becoming a teacher, but I worked my way through college at Mary Kay, and I fell in love with Mary Kay. I fell in love with the com company, and when I got uh, graduated and it was time for me to get a job. Uh, I applied for um, uh, a teacher uh, position in Irving where I'd gotten a scholarship because I felt that I owed them that, praying that they would turn me down, and they did. And um, I was so happy to stay at Mary Kay, and it was, um, it was a really blessing in my life to be there. How long were you with her, 30 years? I was actually associated with the company for 45 years. Wow. Two of those were um, you know, when I was uh, part time. And then um, I uh, worked directly with Mary Kay for 25 years from uh, nine. Well, from the, really from the time I started, because it was so little and we were all in one little building until uh, she had her stroke in 1996. And, and how did you become the director of the Mary Kay Museum and where is it? Well, the Mary Kay Museum is in Addison, Texas, and for the company's 30th anniversary, Mary Kay always wanted to have a museum. She'd save things for the museum. She'd been to Liberace's museum and thought it was great and wanted to do something like that, and the company gave her the museum as a 30th anniversary gift uh, celebrating the company's anniversary. And um, when uh, we moved into a new our corporate new headquarters, it was expanded, and uh, it was just sitting there and no one was taking care of it. Mary Kay had her stroke shortly after we moved in. And so I was actually given that job since, uh, I, you know, working directly with Mary Kay, I wasn't going to be needed in that position anymore. And um, it was just really a fun job. Uh, when you go to conventions, when you're a museum director, what you do is you visit other museums and you get to see the things that are in the back rooms of the museums. So that's a lot of fun. And and how long were you the director of the museum? Uh, I was the director of museum for 21 years. I started in 1996 and I um, became, I retired in 2017. So that's 21 years. Wow. And why did you write this book? Well, I look at the world today and I see so much negativity and <laughs> I just see that there is a need for positive leaders. And uh, Mary Kay, to me, was the epitome of what a leader should be. And I felt like I knew her so well and I knew her leadership skills that it just seemed right that I write this book about her and, uh, you know, what an extraordinary leader she was. 
And you wrote about Mary Kay's strong Christian beliefs. Were those rooted, created um, from being from Texas where religious beliefs are the only thing more important than football? Is that why she was so religious? No, I don't. I, I mean, yes, it's true that in Texas, you know, there's a um, church nearly on every corner. But I, I think that really what uh, rooted her was that um, she didn't leave her uh, religion or her faith at the church door when she walked out on on Sunday morning. Uh, she actually lived it every day, uh, which you know, is is um, it's really unusual to see someone who just actually lives their Christian faith, uh, just exuding that love and caring for other people. How did Christianity impact her business dealings? And can you provide any examples? Well, yes, I can. Um, Mary Kay wanted to found a company based on the Golden Rule, and which was unheard of at that time. And so um, the example is that whenever anyone would come into her office with a change about the sales force or a change about the uh employees about policy changes or something that would affect them. You know, she always tried to put herself into their place and to make her decisions based on what was best for the company and also what was best for the beauty consultant. So there was there was a blend there. Of course, she was a businesswoman. So she realized that, you know, there are decisions that you have to make that are important for the company, but you always must consider the effect that those are going to have on the people that uh, that decision affects. Uh, and, and for those of you who aren't familiar with the golden rule, because we have people from around the world that listen to it, it's a principle of treating others as you want to be treated. It's a maxim that is found in most religions and cultures that can be considered an uh, ethic of reciprocity in some religions. Also, although different religions treat it differently. And so this was a core belief uh, for her. And were people expected uh, as part of the culture to embrace this kind of core belief? Well, Mary Kay taught it. She taught it to the sales force and she taught it to the employees. However, Mary Kay was a realist. And as she said, you're never going to get 100% of the people living by the golden rule. And she, People would come up to her and they would say, Mary Kay, you know, so-and-so is not living by the golden rule. And she would just tell them, she'd say, you know, that's, we can't affect the way that they act. You know, the golden rule is uh, the way that we act. And she would tell them, she said, countless times in my business career, I have given good for when people treated me badly. And I always found out that in the, wrong, in the long run, I had made the best decision. Uh, what made Mary Kay Ash such a uh, great salesperson? And would those skills still work today? Well, now Mary Kay did have natural sales ability. She wanted to be a doctor. She went to the University of Houston for a short while. But she quickly realized that with her three children to raise, that she just wouldn't have the time to be a doctor and raise three children on her own. So she took an aptitude test at the University of Houston, which showed her that she had the ability for sales, which she was already in sales. So she decided that what she would do was just channel her energies into that. But Mary Kay also believed that you can uh, enhance your abilities and that you can learn. Um, and so she was always reading books on sales and uh, trying to enhance the um, skills that she had. But she not only read those books, but she analyzed herself. When she started the company, uh, she, you know, she went out and held the uh, skincare classes along with everyone else. And she said the first one that she held, she sold $1.50. So she did what most women would do. She got in her car, went around the corner and cried, thinking, you know, I just put my life savings in this business and I sold $1.50. So then she thought, well, now let me analyze what I did. And she, all of a sudden, she realized that she didn't even pass out sales tickets. She did the presentation, but she didn't ask for the sales. So she was always analyzing what she could do to make herself better at sales as well. Uh, could you please explain the structure of the Mary Kay company and what today's entrepreneurs could learn from it? Because, again, as I mentioned, uh, it's one of the most successful multi-level marketing companies in history. 
and it has 2.5 million people connected to it, associates, uh, full-time employees, and so forth. So can you explain that structure and what entrepreneurs who are listening today can take away from that? Well, Mary Kay um, was in direct sales for 25 years before she started this business. And so direct sales is when the um, salesperson purchases the products directly from the company so that you can uh, build your business based entirely on selling and not, you know, not on recruiting or bringing people in, which is what pyramid schemes and multi-level companies, they rely on that, that you keep uh, recruiting people. But in direct sales, it's it's a sale directly from Mary Kay to the uh, independent beauty consultants. And they're independent. And then there is the Mary Kay um, employee base, which uh, when I left the company was around uh, 1,500 U.S. employees that work directly for the company and are not independent contractors. They are employees. Now, what the advice Mary Kay would give people is because people would always ask her for this advice. She would say, before you start your own business, work at another company and do as many of the jobs that you can in that company so that you will know exactly what it is that you will need to do when you start your business and what's important, what isn't important, how you would improve it, how you wouldn't improve it. So Mary Kay did believe in starting on the ground floor and working your way up so that you could see exactly how an organization works. Very smart advice. I thought it was impressive that her children jumped in to help her start the company and after her, after her second husband died. What, what was she like as a mother and what was her uh, style as a leader? Well, of course, I didn't... Um, I wasn't raised in Mary Kay's home. I just know what she told me. But um, her son, Richard, said that he uh, grew up in the direct sales business because they were all involved in what their mother was doing. They knew that if she didn't make sales for the week, uh, they wouldn't get to go to the movie. So, on, as he said, on Saturday morning, they would all uh, be eager to find out what the sales of the week for were. And they would help their mother uh, pack up the orders. They would deliver those orders. And after the orders were delivered, uh, then, you know, they would go to the movies or do something fun. Uh, so it was uh, a business. She taught them those business skills of how important it is uh, to um to make those sales and what was important about a business. And and so the kids were also involved in the business at a very young age. They were involved in her business, you know, helping her pack orders and uh, uh, doing, doing small things because they were just children, but she had them involved and she, she taught them the importance of her sales. And, And what was she like in terms of, you know, there's lots of, 73% of the businesses in the country are family businesses. How did she uh, grow her kids within the business? You know, because uh, I think it's her son is now the chairman CEO of the company, I believe. Um, He is, yeah, he's the chairman or uh, controlling stockholder. Um, The CEO is David Hall. Uh, His son, one of his sons is in the, is in the business and, um, is an executive in the business. Um, most of Mary Kay's, a lot of Mary Kay's grandkids did not live in the area, but those who lived in the area, um, many of them are involved in the Mary Kay Foundation. And uh, two of them have been on the board of the Mary Kay Foundation. Others of them volunteer at seminar. Um, when she first started her business, all three of her children were involved in the business. Her daughter was a, was the first sales director in Houston and the very first sales director. Uh, Her son, uh, uh, Richard, you know, was her co-founder. And then her son, Ben, was um, the vice president of manufacturing. So at at first, all of her children were involved in the business with her. Uh, Then as the grandchildren um, emerged, a few of them were involved in the foundation, but mainly it's Ryan who uh, has taken on that family torch. And in the family business, did she encourage them to get into the business or 
she uh, basically told them, hey, if you want to join me, great. If you want to um, go your own path, go your own path. How did she feel about that? Did she expect them to join the business or it was totally their option? It was totally their option. Although she always told uh, Ryan, who's in the business now, that uh, she thought one day he would take over. I mean, he's he's uh, got a lot of business skills and she probably saw that in him. And, and, and was she the type, was she more of a coach to them? Uh, how did that, you know, dynamic work? Because that's a hard dynamic to make work. How, how was the dynamic between her and her kids uh, in the business itself? That's a very interesting question. Um, how she was with her grandchildren, she loved them. She had them for Thanksgiving. She, you know, most of them, a lot of them didn't live in this area, so she didn't have that, uh, you know, great of contact with them. But I think she always encouraged them to uh, reach their goals. She always loved them, and she believed in anyone who anyone's goals that they set for themselves. Did anyone uh, did? Many people leave to start their own businesses. I mean, she basically trained a, a lot of folks to be entrepreneurs on their own. And you mentioned that she even said to people, if you want to do your own business, that you need to learn from top to bottom be somebody else's business before you start your own. So were there many successful people who essentially started their own uh, ventures based on what they learned at the Mary Kay Ash Company? I think there were because Mary Kay would receive letters from former beauty consultants who would say that, you know, their dream had always been to have a flower shop. Well, I can give you one example. Um, there is a chocolatier here in uh, the Dallas area who's very well renowned. She ships her chocolates all over uh, the world and um, she's in Neiman Marcus. And she was a Mary Kay beauty consultant when her children were in high school and put them through college. And then after she got them uh, out of college, she thought, I'm going to pursue my dream of being a chocolatier. And so uh, I visited her shop one time and she told me, she said, you know, Mary Kay gave me the skills that I needed to start this business and the confidence that I needed to start the business. So she was so grateful for what uh, Mary Kay had taught her. And then I, I don't know if you've heard of um, Jack Black Men's Cosmetics. But uh, yes. They are in Neiman Marcus and other, um, you know, high end uh, department stores. Um, the person who founded that company, Curran Durndoran, was actually the vice president of um, marketing at Mary Kay for many years. She really didn't leave Mary Kay until uh, after Mary Kay's stroke, uh, but she has actually developed a, a very successful national business. Uh, did she worry about competition or did she just focus on her company being the best it could be? She never worried about competition. She only focused on um, growing her company. Her goals were, um, she was a goal setter and her goal was never to outbest anybody else. Her goal was always to grow the company so that when we started in Dallas, her first goal was to get out of the Dallas area, uh, then to become nationwide. And she'd have contests that whoever, um, you know, introduce someone to the Mary Kay opportunity in a new state, you know, would get recognition for that. And um, then from there, it went international. But to her, it was about growing the company and touching women's lives. Uh, did you have to be a Christian or be to be part of the organization or did Mary Kay have a diverse workforce? Oh, a diverse workforce. And absolutely not. You did, did not have to be a Christian to be a part of the organization. In fact, Mary Kay's uh, husband, Mel, was Jewish. And I, it, as I was thinking last night about this, I, I actually went back to my very early days at Mary Kay when one of our sales uh, directors from Fort Worth was Jewish. And just thinking about her brought back wonderful memories because she would come into the office and she would bring Mary Kay big containers of matzo ball soup, and, uh, which Mary Kay enjoyed. And, uh, Mary Kay would eat all the soup, bring back the containers, and we would leave them, and Doris would pick them up and fill them up again. She was a delightful person, and she never forgot the staff either because she always bought us those Eastman pastries and put them on the coffee bar for us. 
very, very nice. Uh, was Mary Kay, uh, and she was a great, great grandmother, uh, according to the book, able to attain some kind of work-life balance? And she wrote about the subject in one of her own books. Well, when she was raising her own children, you know, one of the reasons that she didn't become a doctor was because she realized that if she did, just that process of going through the schooling would be too much for her to be a mother to her children. And um, I know that she hated the beach, but she always took her children to the beach every year. Um, and she really cared about her children. She cared about her grandchildren. And that's why Thanksgiving was her favorite holiday. And she always hosted it at her home and cooked the meal herself and uh, was just so proud. They'd have the family picture at Thanksgiving every year. And uh, uh, she she read a lot of books uh, you had mentioned. Uh, and what types of books did she read? Well, when she started in her business and she was not uh, very successful when she started off in sales, she read the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that really changed her thinking. So, you know, she, she liked to read books about, uh, you know, getting your mind positive and um, self-help books. She also liked to read inspirational books. Uh, another one of her favorite authors was Dr. Robert Schuler, who wrote a lot of motivational books. Um, and then she also liked to read um, biographies and uh, Leah Iacocca's biography. I, uh, that one was one that she really, really liked. Uh, but then again, she also liked Dolly Parton's biography. So she read uh, both popular biographies and a lot of motivational how-to books. Right. And inspirational books. What, was she reading all the way to the end? You know, I mean, was she an avid reader, especially um, business and motivational books, considering she was one of the most motivational, iconic business uh, leaders in the world? Yes. Um, she listened to cassette tapes and CDs, you know, she listened to cassette tapes uh, in the car before they were even uh, part of the car. She had her little cassette player that she kept on the on the seat next to her and she would listen to motivational books, motivational uh, speeches you know, all the time, uh, just to make sure that uh, she had her mind positive and focused on what it should be focused on. And did she have a favorite among these motivational uh, writers? I would have to say it was Dr. Robert Schuler because uh, she uh, and he were very good friends and uh, she spoke at the Crystal Cathedral, which was his huge church out in California several times. Uh, with so many appearances at company conventions and other events, how did she manage to main, remain genuine and sincere? Or was that a struggle like it is for movie stars and sports stars? Um, yeah, I really gave some thought to this and the fact that um, it is a struggle for so many people because um, it's hard to stay humble. But as Mary Kay would always say, never believe your own publicity. And she also had another saying that she uh, that uh, I don't want to be put in an ivory tower. And so she never forgot her roots. And I think that was part of it. You know, she always did her own grocery shopping because she wanted to know what the price of bread was and the price of milk was so that she could relate to the people around her. And then again, I think another thing that kept her humble was that she did believe that God uh, led her life, that he is the one that had, uh, you know, helped with she gave him the company and the success should go to him. And then she also realized that to build the company as fast as, as Mary Kay grew, it didn't take just one person. It took everyone working together. So the sales force was very important to her and also the staff. And she realized the contribution that every single person made to the success of the company. So when she went out and spoke at events, did she spend a lot of time afterwards just uh, talking to everybody, taking pictures with them? Uh, or was she always like in a rush to the next event? Oh, um, as as her staff, it was hard to get Mary Kay away from people. Um, she 
was rushed by us because so many times she did have back-to-back meetings, but she would always stop and talk to everybody and take pictures. And when other people were, were speaking on stage, she was always in her seat listening to what they had to say. And the minute they came off the stage, she was always there to affirm them and uh, to tell them how much she enjoyed the speech. You know, most people, they do their uh, speech and then they leave, but not Mary Kay. She always stayed for the whole event and uh, actively listened and took notes. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, And and what did she do with the notes? Well, um, she would um, oftentimes if she if the story was really good, she'd start using it in her own speech. Uh, One time uh, she had Dr. Robert Schuler speak at our seminar and she uh, she came over and handed me a legal pad and she said, get this down because I took shorthand. She said, this is so good what he's saying. So uh, and then, you know, she, she could use these quotes and sayings in her own speeches to people. And, you know, there's nothing like somebody else's story. A story is what really inspires you to know that, you know, someone else had these same situations and this is my situation and I can do it, too. Uh, it- one of the things that's super impressive about her was that she started and remained with the business until she was no longer around. What kind of manager was Mary Kay? Because to grow that kind of business, when you've had zero experience of growing that type of business, and I know she was a very successful sales trainer and worked for other companies. Yes. Uh, talk about her managerial skills. Well, I'm going to promote her book, which is called Mary Kay on People Management, which uh, in which she tells about her managerial skills. But what I think that was important about both her and Richard, her co-founder, was that they were expert in their own areas. Richard was an expert in administration. Mary Kay was an expert in sales and marketing. And then they hired people that were experts in the other areas. And they never micromanaged them. They empowered people to do their best. And um, Mary Kay, that's what I loved about her. She would just hand her staff a a project uh, with the utmost confidence in us that we would do it. And I worked with her for so long that after a while, you know, she'd just hand us a project and then that would be it. We would all know, you know, we had people on her staff who had worked for her many, many years. And so we all knew her and it was, uh, it was great to have, to work for someone that like that, that had the confidence in you. Before she started her own company, she worked for other people. And I think if I read correctly in the book, she kind of hit a glass ceiling uh, in these companies and wasn't compensated the same as men. And that kind of led her to going out on her own. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, um, she was actually the national uh, training director for a company, and they kept hiring men and promoting them over her. And when she inquired about it, they told her, well, Mary Kay, they have a family to support. And Mary Kay thought, well, I'm a single mother. I have a family to support, too. And she thought that was very unfair. Uh, and um, one at one time, they promoted a gentleman and put her under him, and she just thought, I should have had that job. She quit and um, decided to join, uh, to found the company, and we're so glad she did. Yeah, for sure. Um, why did Mary Kay, in a male-dominated world where few women were entrepreneurs, have the ambition and drive to start her own business? Doesn't sound like she was the least bit intimidated. No, she wasn't. You know, her mother worked long hours at a restaurant. And so Mary Kay practically raised herself. Uh, Her dad was an invalid. She took care of him. Um, She um, would call her mother whenever she had any problems and her mother would tell her what to do. And then she'd tell her, you know, now remember, you can do it. And so that kind of became... Uh, her motto for her life was when she was facing challenges to remember that she could do it. And she had felt so uh, frustrated by the uh, way that women were treated in the business world that she wanted to give them an opportunity to reach success. And that was really one of the major motivating factors in her starting her own company 
was to provide women with an opportunity where they could reach success and uh, on their own merits. And she really did um, develop many successful women entrepreneurs. Uh, what was Mary Kay's process for training salespeople? And please tell us about the four-step process that you mentioned in the book of goal setting and would uh, and would her training work today with today's workforce? Okay, Mary Kay, um, she realized that training was very, very important. And so uh, with the sales force, she talked at every um, meeting, company meeting that we had. And she, um, she not only gave speeches, but she held classes. When the new directors would come to Dallas, she would uh, hold an all-day session with them, teaching them, inviting them to her home, taking pictures with them. Um, and she, when she taught the new directors, she had uh, a, a bag that she would take in with her that had all the material that she was going to use with them. It had her handouts of things that she had done that had made her successful. She even had in there her old date book from when she was a um, dealer for Stanley Home Products. And she would show them her date book and what she did to keep her, her book full of appointments. And it was just a visual to show them, you know, that she was where they were. Uh, she had had this same challenge of how to keep your books full. And this is how she um, overcame that challenge. Oh, and the four steps are decide what you want. Um, Mary Kay built an enormous following of 2.5 million. Oh, yeah, please. Okay. Just decide what you want is number one. Number two is write your goals down. Number three is develop a plan. And number four is set your plan in motion. And then one thing that Mary Kay often added was that you need to tell someone about your goal, but don't tell someone about your goal who's going to tell you you can't do it. Tell someone about your goal who's going to encourage you and tell you that they know you can do it. Uh, how did Mary Kay come up with the famous pink Cadillac uh, for superstar salespeople? And what did you have to do to earn it? And, and that that changed over time where more people could earn those pink Cadillacs. So tell the story of the pink Cadillac. Well, um, Mary Kay had been driving a pink Cadillac, since, uh, not a pink Cadillac, but a Cadillac since 1951. When she was a little girl, her nickname was Caddy. And so, you know, one of her lifelong goals was to one day drive a Cadillac. So when uh, she started the company, she was driving Cadillacs and it was time to get a new one. So she went to one of the local Cadillac dealers and took a Mary Kay pink uh, compact and showed him the compact and said, I want my car painted in this color. And he told her, no, you don't. You'll be back here in two weeks and ask us to paint this back to its original color. And she says, no, I want my Cadillac in this color. So it came and it caused quite a sensation on the streets of Dallas, but even more, it was a sensation with the salespeople. And they started going to the same Cadillac dealer and saying, I want a Cadillac just like Mary Kay's. Well, eventually so many sales directors were going and purchasing their Cadillacs that Mary Kay and Richard realized that if they would um, buy their own pink Cadillac, they would work to, to earn a pink Cadillac. And so they made the, the pink Cadillac program, was introduced in 1969. The first pink Cadillacs were those 1970 um, huge cars. They were about the size of a, of a, a city block. These, these first pink Cadillacs were so huge. The first year they gave five, the second year, 10, the third year, 20, and the fourth year, 20. Well, number 21 came to Richard and said, Richard, can you figure out a way that if we do a certain amount of sales, we can, you know, those who achieve this amount of sales will be able to get a pink Cadillac. And he put the pen to the paper and figured it out. And so the next year, when they set a level and said, okay, anyone that does this amount of sales gets to have a pink Cadillac, it jumped from 20 to 51 pink Cadillacs in one year because the belief barrier was there. It had been broken. They knew they could do it. And, uh, and Mary Kay would call the pink Cadillac a trophy on wheels. 
Did she own the right to that uh, color pink? Because I would have thought maybe women around the country, regardless if they work for Mary Kay, would have been asking Cadillac to give them that same color car. I believe she did. Um, I'm sure she had an arrangement with Cadillac. It was called Mountain Laurel Pink, the first ones. Now, over time, it, the, the pink colors changed. But I know the first one was called Mountain Laurel Pink, and you only saw it on pink Cadillacs that Mary Kay uh, sales directors drove. Is there still pink, are there still giving pink Cadillacs or has that all changed? No, there's still pink Cadillacs on the road. I um, I see them here in Dallas and uh, I know several successful women who uh, are very proud of their pink Cadillacs. Interesting. Uh, a question from the audience. Where did Mary Kay get her encouragement from when business was not doing well? How was she planning for her bounce backs and growth? Well, Mary Kay actually grew consistently uh, from 1963 until 1985 when there was the, the recession in the 80s or in the mid-80s, there was a recession. And that's when Mary Kay, uh, you know, wasn't growing as consistently as it had been. And so um, one thing that the company did at that time was that they did that. We had gone public in uh, 1968. It had gone, the company had gone public. They did a leverage buyout in 1985. And I think, I think that that put new, um, new energy back into everybody to realize that the company was family owned again. And then again, it just kept consistently growing uh, with, um, and it, it had reached, Oh, I think almost four million when I retired. So um, the success of Mary Kay was a phenomenal story. Um, you wrote about Mary Kay's views on handling failure. Can you please tell us about that? Well, Mary Kay always told people that if you were to compare knees, hers would be the bloodiest because she fell down so many times, but that she learned to get herself up. And which is really true. Uh, Mary Kay had all the obstacles that women encounter. She had, um, you know, business obstacles, health obstacles. Um, she had, um, you know, the death of a husband. She'd gone through divorce. She'd been a single mother. Really, there wasn't anything that is um, that any other woman would encounter that she hadn't gone through. And I think that's another thing that made her such a great leader. Instead of pretending that she hadn't gone through all of these uh, obstacles and, and failures or that she was open about them and shared them with people and people were able to relate to her because they thought, you know, this is a woman who uh, had, the same, had the same struggles that I have had. And, uh, you know, she was an overcomer. Uh, there was a section in the book that mentioned about a new product offering that Mary Kay uh, wasn't briefed about and she was angry. Uh, was she temperamental and did people have to be careful how they acted around her? Well, no, she wasn't temperamental. And I kind of laughed when I read that because, you know, if you <clears throat> talk to people who knew Mary Kay well, one of the first things that people always talk about Mary Kay is her wit. You know, what a witty person she was and, and how funny she was. Um, uh, as uh, I was worked with Mary Kay, like I said, for 25 years, and I, I never felt that she was temperamental or bossy or she was just always so encouraging. And she only called me in to her office one time to talk about something that I had done. And she called me in there and I had I had written something and uh, that it was for her approval. And I had mentioned this gentleman that was a part of the company and she she had called me in her office and she said, we can't use this because we're getting ready to let this person go. But she didn't, you know, she just said it in such a matter of fact, loving way, but kind of like apologizing to me why they weren't going to be able to use what I had written uh, because I didn't have all the information. How did she handle personnel mistakes? Like, let's say she hired somebody that she really thought had a lot of great upside and put them in a senior position, but they didn't work out. How, how did she handle that? Um, you know, by the time I worked for Mary Kay, she didn't really have to handle that. 
because, you know, she had an HR department and a, a staff. And um, I, we, back then it was just so small when I started that um, everybody worked so hard. And if you didn't work hard, I, you, people would leave. It also, what really people would leave when they would come to Mary Kay, they would see the culture. Some people just can't stand to be in a positive culture. And so uh, they would go ahead and just uh, you know leave the company because the culture wasn't right for them. Um, but uh, you know, Mary Kay so many times would say if someone that uh, was in the wrong position, she would just say to to the HR department, well, you know, maybe we can find that person something that better suits their talents. And their skill set. Sure. Right. Uh, another question from the audience. Why did Mary Kay start a cosmetic business? Was it because she was a woman who liked makeup or she had a scientific or, or beauty background? Well, the reason that she started a cosmetic business is because she wanted a product that was use, reusable, that you would have reorders. The very first direct sales company that she was with was uh, selling children's books. And this was a set of books on how to um, parent. Well, you could only use this one set of books on how to parent. You'd only buy it one time. And she soon discovered that she didn't have any resales. She was constantly having to go out and find new markets for these books. So that's when she went to Stanley Home Products and discovered that, you know, even though she was selling mops and brooms and floor wax, uh, women needed their floor wax again and again. And when she realized that she needed a company, I mean, a product that women would use up and want to, want to um, reorder, she had been using this skincare line since the um, early 1950s. Where um, and they had not been marketed very well. She had got them from a lady at a uh, party that she had held, and she'd ask her. She'd say, you know, she saw her ha handing out uh, bags to everybody. She asked what those bags were. And the lady told her it was uh, her skincare line. Mary Kay tried it, loved it. Uh, when she was to start this company, you know, she thought these products that I'm using are absolutely wonderful. But, you know, this lady isn't doing anything with them. So she bought the formulations. And, and did she have a big research and development group constantly creating new products? Oh, definitely. And in fact, if people ask me, what do you think is the thing that has changed the most uh, since I started in 1971? And I would definitely say the products. When I started, there was one formula it was just for, uh, you know, wh mature women is what it was for. And so not everyone could use it because it, uh, there are many different skincare types. And over the years now, you know, we have refined and developed. There's new ingredients that come out all the time. There's new technology on making uh, cosmetics. And so uh, the products today are so much better than the products that uh, Mary Kay had in the original product line. Uh, and it's because of science and technology. Did she serve on corporate boards of any other companies? Um, not on any other companies. Occasionally she would serve on a, on a board for a um, nonprofit organization. But why not, not? I mean, with her experience and knowledge, I would have thought uh, maybe because she was too far ahead of her time that not still not many women serve on boards even today in 2022. But back then, there weren't many even men who had built the kind of global company that she built. You know, like you said, I don't even ever remember her even being invited. But if she was, I think she probably felt that her uh, loyalty was to the sales force. And she really... In, devoted herself to the sales force, to being available for them, to speaking for them. She traveled, um, you know, across the country for them. Um, she did, she was involved in the Horatio Alger Association because that was something that was dear to her heart, which is helping students. And she was on the scholarship committee for that organization. Uh, she would just get really excited when she read those uh, scholarship applications about really the obstacles that some of those young people had overcome. 
And uh, that's what excited her, helping people, really not helping businesses, but helping people. And um, as she uh, continued to grow her, her business, um, you, did you have an, an internal university that trained people uh, at Mary Kay? Well, our, uh, on the staff-wise, whenever uh, a new employee comes on board, there's a week-long orientation that uh, in, new employees go through. And all of the executives of the company have sessions at this new employee orientation where they talk about, you know, their division in the company. Uh, there's also a uh, cultural aspect of that new employee week. And uh, I was the teacher on that, uh, the new employee orientation on the Mary Kay culture. For the um, sales force, there's also a um, week of... Um, training or orientation that where they come into Dallas and um, executives talk to them for that week, as well as top saleswomen will come in and, and talk to them and, and share with them uh, tips that help them as they de developed into this role of directorship. So there is a lot of training in Mary Kay, plus there's just a huge training uh, department and many training tools online now. Uh, what was the profile of the ideal leader for Mary Kay? What, what what did that look like, the kind of leaders that she looked to pick? Well, first of all, it would be someone who had uh, a um, passion for helping people. Um, it would also be women who wanted to keep their priorities in proper perspective. I mean, she did. That was a big thing for her uh, that she taught women that they needed to keep their priorities in order. And that was one of the main reasons that she founded this company was to give them that opportunity. And so that's the kind of women that were attracted to Mary Kay, women who uh, I always say that back then in the 1960s, women were homemakers and they wanted to get out of the house. They wanted something fulfilling to do. Today, women are stressed out by corporate America and they want to get back into the house but still have a fulfilling career. And um, this is the opportunity for them because there's so much flexibility in it. And that's, I think, what the, the uh, women in Mary Kay who have taken it to the top really appreciate about this. If Mary Kay were here now, what would she say was her proudest accomplishment and why? She would say that her proudest accomplishment is the many women who have taken this career opportunity and uh, used it to grow and develop as business women, you know, in their personal lives, in their uh, in their family lives, and just to become um, uh, overall centered uh, and balanced. And there are so many women who, you when I talk to them, it's their testimony of, of what Mary Kay gave them, um, that they, they appreciate so much this opportunity for the balance that they have in their lives. But they are also truly successful uh, women in their own right and very talented. Did, did she ever consider running for office considering her vast popularity, especially in the state of Texas? Oh, no, no, no. You know, people would tease her about it. But uh, she uh, was really um, not, uh, what's the word for it, politically uh, minded. I mean, she voted and everything. But also, if you think about it, you know, in Mary Kay, there are women with all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of faith, all kinds of political views. And her goal was centered on women and developing women. And when you start expressing your political views, you start dividing people. And Mary Kay was all about uh, bringing people together with the goal of helping them to become better themselves. I don't know if you know this question, but it's a question from the audience. What is the percentage of women who are in, in the sales force and what and at what management level of Mary Kay's company? So it's like 80% women in the sales force and 80% managing the company. What's that look like? Um, well, 
I don't know because really I haven't been there since 2017. I can tell you what it was like when I was there is that um, in the sales force, it was, you know, mainly women because this, this appeals to women. But I know that we had um, male independent beauty consultants. There were some male sales directors. And now there's even a male a national sales director. I think he's in Brazil or Colombia. He's in one of those companies. So it's not like this um, opportunity wasn't always available to women, uh, to men. Because when I came into the company, there was a very successful male director. He did the business. He and his wife did the business together. But his name was on the uh, consultant agreement. So there's always been male uh, beauty consultants. It's just not a, a career that's appealed to them. But the opportunity is there for them. Uh, and but how about the senior leadership for Mary Kay? Um, most of this, I would say, I, I don't know. I know that um, right now the um, chief uh, people officer is a female. The chief financial officer is a female. Uh, the chief marketing officer is a female. I think there's some in manufacturing, but I'm I'm not sure. You know. Uh, who are the vice presidents over there in manufacturing? But it's it's like anything else. It's it's if the woman in Mary Kay has the ability to um, be promoted into the next next level, she will be promoted into the next level. Well, I want to thank you so much, uh, Jennifer, for coming on today. I really enjoyed the book because I grew up hearing about Mary Kay uh, and uh, seeing the pink Cadillacs around the Philadelphia area. And uh, to read her story is just so impressive. I mean, people forget she's one of the most impressive entrepreneurs uh, the world's ever seen. And a brand that didn't die off when the founder uh, died, the brand is still going strong today. So it's quite impressive. I hope a lot of people take the time to read your book. And I thank you for taking the time to speak with us and fighting through the technical issues of oh, getting on. Okay, well, thank you. I'm glad I was able to get on and I appreciate so much uh, um, the fact that you uh, recognize uh, what a great leader she was because she truly was a great leader. No question about it. Well, everybody have a great weekend. We look forward to seeing you all next Friday. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Best Business Minds. Tune in every Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time for our live recordings. Go to www.thebestbusinessminds.com for more information and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter to be kept up to date with our upcoming guests and other bonus material. See you next time.